Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. We're already at the middle of the week as we welcome you along to the show. We've got John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103, our brand new phone number. But our text number and our WhatsApp number, that remains the same at 0862 103 103. Feel free to contact us. We love to hear from you throughout the programme. And I want to start by referencing uh, the photograph on the front page of the Irish Examiner today. And it's a story that our own Barry is running with on our news service today. And it's the story of a very special little girl by the name of Hazel Bass who only yesterday rang the bell in Our Lady's Hospital in Crumlin to mark the end of her cancer treatment and as soon as she finished ringing the bell she was whisked away with her parents Trudy and Dara to the five star Photo Island Resort in uh, Cork and needless to say the five star the Photo Island Resort in Cork Cork have pulled out all of the stops for this very special little girl who is only four and there's just a photograph of her with Elsa from Frozen and she has the biggest smile on her face. It just is gorgeous and for Hazel what was most important about staying at the photo Island Resort being five star what was she looking for? She wanted to spend her day in the swimming pool eating cakes and she wanted to be treated like a princess and that's exactly what Photo have done for her and they've rolled out the red carpet for her and her uh, family and they, they, they hope that Hazel's story, her parents hope that Hazel's story uh, will serve as a beacon of inspiration for other little children who are fighting against uh, serious uh, illness because her own mother you know, was making the point they never thought that they'd get to see this day uh, you know, being in Crumlin hospital for you know for how many years with all of the treatment this little girl would have received and how difficult that treatment would have been on a tiny tiny little little girl and to you dream of the day that she'd be able to ring the bell and I love that thing that they do in a lot of the uh, cancer hospitals where they ring the bell to say I'm finished I'm cancer free and then off to have this sort of magical few days so well done to everybody at Vote Island Resort because as soon as they heard about the story and realised what this family trip was all about they've pulled out all of the stops as I say I heard the story this morning I woke to Barry talking about it and then when I picked up the examiner today to see a picture of little Hazel she is just can we wish her and her family the best of 
of luck and good health. And another, uh, some other photographs that are making the papers that are worthy of a mention. One is Roy Keane with uh, Martin O'Reilly, a young 12-year-old boy, and the wonderful Katrina Toomey of uh, Penny Dinners with photographs inside in the Echo from the Penny Dinners, their new wellness centre, which is now up and running and open, and it had the official opening by our own Roy Keane yesterday. And it's the 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 wellness centre, the Scorpion Wellness Centre, it's called Cree Lee, which means heart of the Lee. And according to Katrina, the wellness centre will offer education and emotional support to all who need it in the heart of the city with access to free dental and medical assistance on site. What a great, great um, facility. It is on the site of the old D&A O'Leary Print Works. Now this was a property that was actually purchased by uh, Penny Dinners a number of years ago and then they've got involved with the complete refurb and rebuild uh, of it. And it seems, according to Donald O'Keefe in the Echo today, and even I think Roy Keane was taken aback by this, they got no financial support from, from anywhere from the state, local authority. They did it all themselves. And Katrina would say there was a lot of volunteers got involved uh, as well. But they've uh, put together just a wonderful centre and we wish everybody good luck who will pass through the doors of that, the Penny Dinners Wellness uh, Centre. Just want to give a mention to it because it's making the papers uh, today. Antigen tests are very much making the papers today. And there's a lot of talk going on about antigen tests at the moment. And I don't know if you're in that position that you're trying to get your hands on an antigen test and you're finding it difficult to actually get them. There's been a massive run on antigen tests, so much so that some people have decided, oh, I could make a bit of money out of these antigen tests. We've had ticket touting going on in this country for many, many years, so much so that legislation has been put in place to try to end uh, ticket touting. But now we've got antigen testing touting and I think I've heard it all. Antigen tests are being advertised for up to €20 a kit on buy and sell websites. And of course, people are deciding to, I can make money out of this because many supermarkets and chemists have simply sold out of antigen tests. There was a huge surge, obviously over the Christmas period. We were all trying to be responsible if we were going to visit loved ones or we were having loved ones to our house or meeting up with people. Lots of us, I put my hand up, me included, we all did our antigen testing at home just to make sure that anyone that was coming to visit was going to be safe and the people coming to visit, they did their antigen testing uh, as well. But it seems now... There are hundreds of ads on websites like Dundeal and adverts.ie offering the rapid test kits to buy in bulk, but they're also being sold individually. A handful are quoting you can buy one antigen test kit for anything from €15 the highest being somebody's offering one for €20. Now, there's others selling multi-packs, like there was an ad up for somebody selling 10 kits for €60. And then others are even going, getting a little bit cheekier and saying, oh, I'll deliver it. But they're charging between €5 and €9 for delivery. Hundreds of supermarkets and pharmacies nationwide are currently completely sold out of the test uh, kits, with some unsure when they're going to get them back into stock. But remember, it started this week that the HSE are now sending out free antigen kits to anyone aged between 4 and 39 who have COVID-19 symptoms. You go on their website, you apply 
tell them you've symptoms, you apply for your test kits and they're saying it's taking between two and three business working days for the antigen kits to be delivered to you. That's on the HSC portal. That's now live to order the tests which are sent out. Of course, they're all, they've already been sent out free of charge to close contacts of a confirmed case uh, as well. But it seems some uh, people are turning to the buy and sell websites to get them uh, because these ads seemingly have been viewed hundreds of times. And I suppose the worry is, particularly whatever about if you're, you're applying for an antigen or you need an antigen test because you have uh, symptoms, people with symptoms may just decide to isolate and wait for the HSC to send them out. But if you're maybe going visiting somebody maybe going visiting an elderly person uh, people might might say well, look I really need an antigen and kit and if you're desperate for one you would, people will pay but I mean paying 20 euro I just think it's so mean spirited of the people who have these excess antigen tests and have decided to sell it and have decided to try and make a, a quick buck uh, off it and the other story that's doing the rounds on antigen kits is to do with one particular brand Genru, Genrui, I don't know how you actually pronounce it. It's G-E-N-R-U-I. And they are on sale in at least two of our top supermarkets. And the Health Products Regulatory Authority, the HPRA, they're now investigating a number of complaints made. It's to do with false positives that are showing up on this particular Genru Genru COVID antigen test. And the issue appears to be uh, it's a very faint line appears where the T test sign. Now, if you get a line where the T test word is on your antigen test, that, of course, means that the result is a positive. And it seems as a faint line appearing. But any of us who've done an antigen test will know it says when you read the massive leaflet that comes with the antigen test. You need to have good eyesight with the small print that's on a lot of them. But when you read that, they'll say if there's any kind of a faint line next to where the T letter is, that means that you take it that it is a positive antigen test. The HPRA say they've received a number of reports from individuals who have reported getting a false positive uh, result when using this particular rapid antigen test. What happens is then they then went on to have a PCR test and the PCR test came back at negative. The HPRA is following up with the manufacturer of the test now to investigate the matter and they're also going to liaise with other European component uh, authorities. Rapid antigen test has the potential and we all know that to give a false negative or a false positive but it seems like this particular brand is giving too many false positives. And the HPRA say any individual who does receive a positive result, even if it's only a very faint line, they're saying to you still you still need to abide by all of the regulations and the current guidelines that are in place, which means you need to get onto the HSC, either through the website or you go through your doctor and book a PCR uh, test. But they're also now coming out and saying that any individual who's experienced a false positive or a false negative result to please report it to the HPRA whether it's this with this particular antigen test Genru or with any other antigen test if you got either 
I mean, it's mainly going to be to do with false positives rather than I imagine false negatives. But they're saying to people, look, if you got a fall, if you got a positive and then went on to have your PCR test, which turned out uh, negative, that could indicate that you had a false positive. They're saying, please report to them. And you reported, you emailed device safety at hpra.ie. And I know I saw over the weekend, actually it's a cork paste GP, uh, Dr. Neve Nilinchik. I was following um, Dr. Neve on one of her Twitter feeds that she she put up a post on, on Twitter just saying to people, look, I've come across a number of patients who are saying they're getting a false positive on this particular brand of rapid antigen test. And she was asking anybody else who had similar, had heard or had had a false positive uh, result and she said she received hundreds of messages about this particular brand. So good to see now that the Health Products Regulatory Authority are looking into it and we'll see what comes back from that. I tried to do to find out who exactly makes these antigen tests because they all have to come with the CE. They say if you're buying any antigen test, make sure that it has the CE stamp. It seems that this one does have the CE uh, stamp, but it seems that it got its CE stamp in Poland. And that's to say that, this, that that's got anything to do with it. But it seems that they, so I'm, I'm taking it from that, that they're obviously made and manufactured maybe in uh, Poland. I don't know. But there's so many different antigen tests at the moment. But it, this is the Genru, G-E-N-R-U-I, as I say, which is the one which seems to be turning up uh, a large amount of false positives. You know, and I saw people over Christmas take to social media very annoyed because what happened was they did their antigen tests on this particular brand. It's maybe, you know, day before Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, because they were meeting up with family members. They then got a positive result. They were very responsible, did everything that they were meant uh, to do, cancelled whatever Christmas plans they had. Then there was the scramble to try to get a PCR test. And we know even still today, it's difficult to get a PCR test and people managed those that managed to get the PCR test and then the PCR test came back negative but their Christmas plans had been absolutely ruined based on this false positive test antigen test and people were extremely annoyed about it. By the way I've just discovered that that rapid antigen test that now is under investigation here by the Health Products Regulatory Authority they're actually a Chinese company Gen Ru but they received EU certification in a number of European countries including Germany, France, Portugal, the Czech Republic and Austria since April of last year and then it was August they were issued with the CE uh, certification so the Health Promotion Products Regulatory Authority are looking are examining a number of these false positive uh, reports and they are working with the company but the company are actually based in uh, China. Uh, Somebody says for people looking for antigen test kits they're available at you can buy them at Barry Row uh, Co-op. Yeah, like there are antigen tests available, uh, but some shops, some chemists have completely sold out, but there are still some available. And somebody else says, Patricia, are no swabs or saliva antigen tests better? I didn't even know that you could get a saliva antigen test. Any of the ones I've seen have been the nose swabs, so I know nothing, I have to say, about the saliva ones. Has anyone been using the one that you obviously put it down the back of your throat rather than up your nose? I was unaware that they are on sale. Michael says, Patricia, I have to laugh when I hear them saying that there's a shortage of antigen test kits in this country. It reminds me around the time at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, now nearly two years ago, when a lockdown was being mentioned. What did everybody run out to buy? 
toilet rolls and new chops running out of toilet rolls. Likewise now with the antigen tests they were brought off the shelves before Christmas and the new year to make sure that people would be able to get over the holidays in a year's time. There will be a lot of cupboards in this country that will have those antigen test kits and guess what? They'll all be out of date. It's the same old, same uh, old whereas I suppose the toilet rolls eventually got uh, used. Yeah, I don't know if people have been stockpiling antigen tests or not, Michael. I certainly know a number of people bought up antigen test kits, myself included, but we bought them up for use over Christmas. I do have a, have a couple left. Uh, just uh, happy to know that I have them in case any of us present with symptoms or we need to go anywhere where you need to just be extra safe and do the antigen uh, test. Uh, Denise says, Patricia, on, on home antigen testing, if you have symptoms, it has been suggested that because the COVID test centres are overrun, you should not go for one if you have symptoms and also have a positive antigen test. That's fine for some, but I know for a fact that some employers are insisting that you must have an official PCR test in order to get COVID sick leave. COVID sick leave will not be included in your annual sick leave. So how do employees get around that one? Happy New Year and best wishes to your team and many happy returns, uh, Denise. And you're right, a number of businesses are insisting that, you know, if an employee rings up and, you know, says I've got a positive antigen test, they're saying, right, go for your PCR test. And we heard yesterday people who were waiting five days to try to get a PCR test. Now, the new system is in whereby if you're under 39, you do antigen testing and only go for PCR test if it's positive. I don't know, is that going to ease up the amount of people going forward for PCRs? I might get John Paul because yesterday he did a trawl. He went all around the country to every single county to see if he could find a free PCR test anywhere. We might get him to do that again uh, just to see. But looking at the numbers, I mean, what was it? Over 21,000 positive cases yesterday and there wasn't an, there wasn't a PCR test available anywhere in the country yesterday that it is going to be a problem for employees in order to get their sick leave from uh, work. Uh, yeah, and I know it's it's one, I can't remember the name now of who it was, I heard it on our news uh, there earlier this morning. Uh, there was one health expert who was saying that because there are so many people going forward for PCR tests, that if you do have symptoms and you do have a positive antigen test, just take it that you have uh, COVID-19. But, you know, as Denise is saying, that's fine unless your employer is insisting that you must have the official PCR test. 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break and we're back. We're going to talk about antivirals and and how antivirals could be our way out of this pandemic. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. One question I think that everybody is asking is when will this pandemic end? ever end? Well, the answer might lie in the availability of antiviral drugs. So to fill us in on the latest news on offer on antiviral drugs is Peter Weedle of Weedle's Pharmacy in Mallow. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Patricia. And happy ha- New Year. And many happy returns. Now, are, do you believe antivirals are the way out of this pandemic? Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, if we look at last year, it was the year of the vaccine. I think this year is the year of the antivirals. And we're seeing the development of a number of them. But there's one very exciting development by Pfizer's called a product called Paclovid, which has just been approved by the um, Food and Drug Administration in America, been approved by the European Medicines Agency and also by the MCA in London. So 
it's got the green light in a, a good number of countries, all of which we can trust. So it's a, it's a real big development. And I just see on uh, breaking news this morning, the Minister for Health is seeking the government approval for the purchase of 90 million euro worth of COVID antiviral pills. Uh, a, bar- a bargain. So, is it a bargain? Okay, so how do they work? They work. It's, it's you, you get diagnosed with COVID and then you take your antivirals, is it? That's right. Uh, basically, it'll probably be used for those that are most vulnerable. Obviously, our elderly population and those with particularly underlying conditions, maybe diabetes and heart problems. The key to it is that it has to be uh, diagnosed quickly and prescribed quickly. Really, after five days of COVID, this is not going to have any advantage because what it does is it stops the virus replicating. It stops the protein synthesis. So if you get COVID, you basically can stop it in its tracks by taking this new medication. Will people be able to simply buy antivirus over the counter or will they have to be prescribed? They'll have to be prescribed, absolutely not, because this new product called Neuromatrelvir, I'll get my uh, mouth around it yet, um, it was originally developed for SARS back in 2003, but because SARS over in China and the other surrounding countries died out fairly quickly, it, it, it literally lay idle for 18 years. So the... It was resurrected, obviously, when COVID-2 came along, and um, it is now being very effective. But the problem with it is that the body metabolizes it very quickly. So, in other words, we get rid of it very quickly. So, the analogy, <coughs> excuse me, the analogy we've used is it's like trying to fill a sink without a plug in the plug hole. So, okay. what they've had to do is figure out how to stop the body metabolizing uh, this new drug uh, too fast. So they also found that a, a product we knew about called retinavir, another antiviral, which isn't effective against COVID. But what it does is the enzyme that um, metabolizes this new drug, nermatrelvir, I'm still trying to get tongue-tied on it, <laughs> um, it this new drug um, is blocked by retinavir. So by combining the two, we can keep the levels of the new one up and at a good level so that it's effective and kills off COVID in the body. Okay, and this Pfizer one, because there's a, there's a number of companies working on antivirus that isn't just yeah, Pfizer. Yeah, that's correct. The, 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 sorry, the most, the most effective one is, uh, is this new Pfizer one. It's 89% effective. Wow. So, uh, look, rounding the mathematics, it's 9 out of 10 people will, um, will benefit from this. So if you get COVID, you've, instead, of, instead of going to hospital or, or worse, it's going to be 9 out of 10 people won't even have to go to hospital. So that's going to be a huge saving. Um, because it, the cost of hospitalisation, what, 1000 per uh, bed per night? Mm-hmm. Our ICU is probably 2500 per bed per night. So the saving is huge in comparison to the, the cost of the drug. OK, so if we have Stephen Donnelly today going to the Cabinet for the, for the approval of these COVID antiviral drugs, do you expect within the coming weeks they'll be starting to use them? Oh, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. As I said, the, the European Medicines Agency have been looking at it for a while and the they've given it what's called an emergency use authorization so that it can immediately be uh, on the market. Now, wh- what the decision of Cabinet will be and, and obviously Neffet and other people like that as to who will be entitled to get them is another matter. Uh, obviously, they, we don't want 
it won't be for everyone. It won't be, as you say, it won't be a case of walking into a pharmacy and just buying it over the counter because this retinavir causes a lot of drug-drug interaction. So there has to be a very careful review of, of the medication that people are on to ensure that it's safe for them to take it. Okay, but certainly it is a good news story and could be our way out of this uh, global pandemic. And antigen tests, I mentioned these at the top of the uh, programme today, uh, Peter, uh, because shocked to read in the papers that some people are uh, almost ticket-touting with antigen tests and selling them on buy and sell websites for €20 a pop. Is there a shortage of antigen tests? Absolutely. Just before I go to that, can I just give you the other bit of good news? The, this new drug, Nirmatrelvir, is all made in Cork, by the way. Oh, at the Pfizer so, plant. So some of your listeners might be here uh, listening to us now, and they're actually manufacturing it in the Ring of Skiddy plant in Cork. Brilliant. So Brilliant. The, wor- the worldwide production is coming from Cork. That's fantastic. So congratulations to any of those who are involved. They've been doing it since October. They kept it quiet. Well done. Well, well done. So well done to them. So back to, sorry, I just, and, just, and, just to mention Yeah, that. antigen tests. Are they in short supply? Yeah, worldwide. So the whole whole world is looking for them. Um, it, it's crazy at the moment. I mean, we ha- we were sold out over the weekend. Uh, we had none. We got a delivery of one and a half thousand antigen tests yesterday. I'd say we have, if we have a hundred left, we're doing well. That's and that, look, we're, we're in a small town in in in, in County Cork. So, yeah, it's impossible that there's so many people around the world looking for antigen tests. It, it's supply and demand again. Will they go up in price because of that? You think? Yeah, we just had to buy some this morning. Uh, we uh, we've been rationed, and the price has gone up again. I mean, we we were, we were selling a five pack at fourteen ninety five yesterday. Um, where the five packs we have at the moment are now nineteen ninety five. And the price I was quoted this morning has gone up again. Okay, and that's not pharmacies putting up the price. That's what you're buying. No, it's it's yeah. I mean, I tried to order five thousand tests yesterday. I've been promised them, but I was rationed back to about a thousand, and I don't even know when I'm going to get those. So, uh, it's it's it's. It's just literally supply and demand and people are going around everywhere just trying to f- trying to find it. Yeah, there. and you see, added to that, trying to get a PCR test, uh, yeah. Peter, is, 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 it's impossible. That's like a lottery in itself. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you know, our systems aren't designed to handle what we're trying to handle at the moment. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the hope is, and that's why the antivirals are so uh, brilliant to this, Look, we're going to have a rough few weeks. There's no question about that. But we're in a far better place than we were 12 months ago mm. um, because of the vaccination, because of the boosters. We know from all the statistics now that the vaccines are giving us protection. Yes, the hospital figures are going up a bit, the ICU slightly maybe, but it's not bad. It's nothing like what we were at 12 months ago. And I would say if we repeat this conversation in 12 months' time, we'll be saying, COVID, what was COVID? Uh, hopefully. We, because it, 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 yeah. it's, going, it's going to become endemic. The pandemic is going to become such that we're living with it. It's going to become another flu, something like that, maybe a severe flu. But we will have, we have, we're going to beat it this in this year. We've already got there, really, to be honest. Okay, and it's then it. it'll become annual boosters for the vulnerable groups. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Okay, you mentioned uh, boosters. Are we now at boosters open for everybody over 16? Yes, 16 and up is uh, for boosters uh, as of this week. And, um, you know, people are coming forward very rapidly. Uh, the HSC have also opened up for the 5 to 11-year-olds in the vaccination centres. Um, so that's open. There seems to be a gap at the moment between for the 12 to 15-year-olds, which hasn't been opened yet. Um, for boosters, but hopefully that should be soon. I don't know when. Um, 
So, yeah, anyone that's over 16 really should get boosted now because we know, like I, I heard last night, for example, in the UK, uh, 60% of patients that are in ICU are non-vaccinated. And we know that the booster is giving huge protection. So if 60% of, of a small percentage of people that are not vaccinated are in ICU, that's telling us that the vaccines are working. It's, it's, it's beyond doubt, yeah, way yeah. beyond doubt. And certainly getting the booster is very valuable now. For anyone that hasn't, I would really plead with them, please go and get a booster as soon as possible. Because look, if, 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 if the HSE open up um, the GPs and pharmacies as well for the 5 to 11-year-olds and then the, the 12 to 15-year-olds, they'll become priority. And if you're in your 40s and 50s and haven't got your booster, now's your time to do it because you could be at the back of the queue in another couple of weeks. What, what do you say to parents uh, who might be nervous about giving a vaccine to the 5 to 11-year-olds? I have no hesitation. My children are, are not in that age group anymore, but my grandchildren are approaching it. So um, I would have no hesitation in giving it to my own grandchildren um, and I would love to be able to except that they're too young but when when they are of, uh, if they were of age I would certainly give it to them you know no crams no no because you know they, we've seen uh, like some things I've been reading where um, for in autopsies where they've done uh, tissues the, the virus is spreading throughout the body and it's going into the brain so I suppose off the cuff, I would say, look, our children of today are going to live probably beyond 100. That's their life expectancy. If they get COVID, what's going to happen to them with long COVID? We don't know. And do they end up in their 20s or 30s and 40s with severe illness that's going to invalid them for uh, until their 70s, 80s, 90s or under? We don't know. That's the great unknown. It's the great unknown. It it, it is. But why take that risk? There is is no risk with the vaccines. These, These are the most tested medicine ever in the history of the world. Billions of people have now received vaccines, you know, and, you know, yes, there have been some side effects, but it's very, very small. So these are the safest medicines that have ever been developed in the history of the human race. So why, why, why put your children at risk? Somebody else wants to know, what's Peter's advice? We're having difficulties accessing a PCR test. There's now five in the household who are all testing positive on antigen tests. Do we just self-isolate and take it that we have COVID? I think that's probably the answer because, yeah, I know I, I, I was on over the, the, the bank holiday weekend and yeah, people were in desperation. But the, 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 the system is, is crashing. It, it, it can't sustain, you know, what's happening. It, it, there's just the demand is outstripping supply. You know, we can't we can't do it. So, yeah, that's probably the best thing. Yeah, and it isn't just a simple case of opening up extra testing centres because they need the labs then to back it up to do the tests. That's right. And that, yeah. uh, none of that's simple. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it, that all takes time. So why, if they put in this huge resource, we, we've got a massive wave at the moment. And, we, and you know, once January comes around every year, this is what happens every year. But this year now in particular with the Omicron, it's going to be the worst ever. But a few more weeks and we're going to get out the other side of this okay. and, and world, the world will start to go back to normal again. And a final one, does Peter see a fourth shot like what's happening in Israel? I definitely think so, yeah. Um, we know that um, Pfizer's have already started the production of the Omicron variant vaccine. Um, the EU have bought 180 million doses of it. So I suspect that they won't leave the 180 million doses sitting on the shelf. Um, I think probably springtime, you know, maybe April, May, June, we should all probably get the Omicron booster. And then hopefully after that, 
we could be into, as you said, uh, Patricia, you know, like a flu vaccine from there on once a year, maybe. Okay, and then a pandemic becomes an endemic instead. As yeah. uh, so Peter, as always, uh, great words of wisdom. Thank you for that, and Thanks, have a good Patricia. day. Thanks for joining Thanks. us. Uh, bye bye. That is Peter Weedle of uh, Weedle's Pharmacy in uh, Mallow. Uh, Mitchell and listeners, says, Patricia, I'm wondering how can a family of, with four or five children afford all of those antigen uh, kits? Also, with the crowds waiting at test centres, some of us will get end up getting the virus while uh, waiting says the Mitchistown listener actually that's what we're going to discuss next a call on should the government be sending antigen tests out to every uh, individual household uh, John Paul taking your calls 0818 103 103 Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie now the government have been called on to make antigen test kits more widely accessible for the public to alleviate the shortage of antigen testing equipment nationwide. Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central, Thomas Gould, said every household should have access to antigen test kits and that, he says, would take the pressure off the PCR testing uh, process. Thomas uh, Gould joins me. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning, Patricia. And and listen, happy New Year to you and all your listeners. Thank you very much and many happy returns uh, to you and yours. Now, people aged 16 to 39 can now get free antigen test kits from the HSE. But do you feel that offer should go further? Yes. Well, when I, when I initially put out the call, it came as a result of people who were contacting me who were going to chemists and supermarkets and uh, they, had been, uh, they had run out. And they were waiting, the chemists in the supermarkets were waiting, waiting for more supplies to come in. And people were saying, like, this is crazy when people should be self-isolating or families, if they have a conformed case in the house or a suspected case, having people going around to all these different locations looking for testing, uh, it just didn't make sense that this is something. Like, I had COVID myself in November and my family were close contacts and the HSE posted out a box of antigen tests at the time, uh, five of them, so that the, my wife and my two children could test. And when I put out this, this call originally, that's what I was looking for. Something like that, that you would have a box of maybe five or ten sent out to every home. Because, like, my own kids are going to school tomorrow. One is going to primary and one is going to secondary. Like, tonight, no, uh, we're going to either tonight or tomorrow morning, they're going to take an antigen test before they go in. No, they don't have to do it, but we feel like, I didn't. we didn't go much over the Christmas, but the one or two times we did go, we took an antigen test before we went out. You know, like that's what I did myself. Um, and I think that's a good practice because what you're doing then is if a person is, is, symptom- is, is symptomatic, if they do an antigen test and it shows a positive, you're not sending them out back into school. Yes, so res- it's the responsible thing to do. But the problem then for a lot of people like is the cost of them. You know, some shops are selling them for three euros or four euros. But I, I I went to one pharmacy the other day trying to trying to see if I could buy one, and they were selling them in blocks of ten, a block to twenty for sixty euros, and they, for a lot of families to have sixty euros the first week in January, you know a lot of people, like what you don't want to do is having cost being a barrier to people being safe, 
and to preventing the virus spreading. Well, actually, so we just we were just speaking a couple of minutes ago, Peter Weedle, a local pharmacist in uh, Mallow, and he was talking about you know it's all down to supply and demand. He now has to put up that when he when he gets in his next batch of antigen tests, the price is going to go up. It's not him putting up the price when he went to buy them. The price of the antigen tests have have gone up, so they're now getting more expensive. And we did listener who says, you know, a family with four or five children, they simply can't afford antigen tests. Yeah, no, and that person who said that is correct because I I was in Super Value at Holly Hill the other day, and I saw a lady coming out. She must have had twelve or fifteen of them, you know. Unless she she passed me, she said, Thomas, she said, uh, I I can't afford to. to I, she said I couldn't afford to buy these. But then she said to me, I couldn't afford not to buy them. So I was putting this lady uh, who was stressed for whatever reason, having to go into a shop. And for a lot of people, January is a very tough month financially because they put everything they've had into having a lovely Christmas for themselves and their families. And Patricia, the problem here is the government and HSC have been very slow on antigen testing. Like Other countries have been using these test kits for months. And only up to last up to last week, the government was and the HSC and effort wasn't recommended uh, antigen test as a major part of our testing, and it's un- it's, it wasn't until last week, until the Omicron variant, that the numbers were over the were so high that they made this decision. And to me, this was really bad planning. We should have. This has been happening all over the world. We should have both parties. We should have made sure that the supermarkets, the doctors, the the, the chemists, all of them had. Them but the but the, H, the HS, but the HSE have been stockpiling. Surely, I mean, because they they are sending them. They've been sending them out, as you said, to the close contacts. Um, like what you were saying, what happened in in your family? They're now sending them out to anybody under the age of uh, thirty nine. So I I don't know how many they have, but they seem to have a stockpile of them. Well, you see. Like, like your earlier contributor there, the chemist, I have people in supermarkets and chemists telling me it's just struggling to get the supply, that there's shortage of, you know, and for what I suppose they were yesterday, they're telling me there's a shortage worldwide, yeah, you know, yeah. because it's after kicking in. Like, we, we knew this, you know, like, this all comes down to planning, it's like getting the schools to go back. There wasn't a coordinated planning effort with a strategy to do this. And once you have people know, people who can't afford uh, to be spending their limited money going out loose. Because if you're testing, like, they're recommending that you test every second day. Or if, and in England, they're actually testing, uh, recommending you test it in the north, because we were talking to our, our certain colleagues in, in the six counties. They're recommending that you test every day for 10 days uh, to ensure that you're negative. And if people were spending that, that's that's thirty euros per person. Like if you have a family, I uh, have to yeah, test every day for ten days. A lot, lot of people couldn't afford that. So you think the simple one would be every household receives a pack and do it by the post the way they've been doing it for the close contacts? Yes. No. People have said to me. Like, they're both uh, having a central collection point. And listen, that could be done as well. But what we do know is by post, you will get to every house in the country. To me, that's the simplest way out of it. And then what you have is you can have people ringing in the helpline if they need additional ones, if they're worried that someone in the family either has COVID or might be a close contact. So, but 
What you don't want is people waiting three or four days. If we send them out to every family, no. And you made a point there, Patricia, how under 39s now getting them. That decision was only made three days ago, yeah. or four days ago. Like these, these are something we knew that there was going to be an issue with people meeting up over Christmas. We knew the, the, the variant was going to ex, that more and more people were going to contact it, contract it over the Christmas. And we never sent them out in advance. It's really, people are really annoyed at the moment now because a lot of people are really doing their best to stay safe, to follow the procedures. They want to get over COVID and move on with their lives. And they feel that more should be done to support people. Because your listeners, most, the vast majority are people who are trying to do everything right. And here they are again being hit with this extra cost we're looking for antigen tests when this is something that they're doing in other European countries. They're just shipping them to everyone to keep people safe. OK. All right. Listen, uh, we leave it there, uh, Thomas. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning, Chair. That is Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central. Thomas Gould uh, with the request that every household should be sent free uh, antigen tests. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Firstly, just to give some advice to Marie, one of our listeners, saying, Hi Patricia, I was identified as a close contact. I got a HSE text on the 1st of January. The person had tested positive on an antigen uh, test and then on a PCR test on the 27th. Now, I've actually been isolating since the 27th of December. What I'm asking is, when am I allowed out? I've had three negative antigen tests so far, says Marie. Okay, on close contact. Now, this, this is the way close contacts are at the moment, but this is expected to change but as of now for Marie there are two different rules around close contacts it depends if you are a close contact and you have had your vaccination your full vaccination doses but haven't had a booster then you need to take antigen tests five antigen tests two days apart and you need to restrict your movement for 10 days but If you are deemed a close contact more than seven days after receiving your booster, then your period of restricting your movement is less. You need to do three antigen tests two days apart and you need to restrict your movements for five days. So I don't know, Marie, whether you've had a booster or not. If you've just had your vaccines and you're waiting on your booster, then it's a 10-day restriction of movements. But if you've had your booster, it's a five-day. But if you've been isolating since the 27th, of December, then your 10 days would be up and certainly your five days if you've had a booster and your three negative antigen uh, tests, it looks like to me you've ticked all the boxes and you've done everything uh, right and well done. Um, it's well done to avoid it because it's, it's, I said it yesterday, it's almost like any of us who were lucky enough and I deem it lucky enough not to have got COVID over Christmas. It does very much feel like we dodged a bullet because every second person that you're hearing about seems to either have COVID or are they a close contact of COVID or they've somebody in the household with uh, COVID so you appear to have done everything right uh, Marie on the antigen testing oh, before I go to the antigen tests somebody trying to get a PCR Dan says Patricia could you ask the HSE how long do you have to wait before you can get a PCR test I need to get back to work and I'm wondering 
obviously somebody who has done has a positive antigen test trying to get the PCR test to see if he has COVID or not and Dan saying will I be waiting days or weeks to get a PCR test I don't have the answer to that and I know even if we send an email off to the HSE they won't be able to give a definitive date on when you get your PCR all you can do is keep trying online we have been suggesting to people to try their GP we heard yesterday of some people who went to their GP because GPs have a different way of accessing a PCR test you may be able to get one that way but going online is the, what we've been trying to get everybody uh, to do and that tip about go log on after midnight they seem to put extra availability on uh, after midnight but that doesn't even seem to be working for people because I saw somebody says Patricia I went online at 12.30am early hours of this morning I checked Cork Kerry, Limerick, Waterford, Wexford and Tipperary. There was only one available slot and that was in uh, Limerick and I asked John Paul as well while I was on air at the top of the programme as he did yesterday to check to go onto the HSC website and just go through all of the counties in Ireland to see was there any PCR tests available uh, today and he said he went through them all. There was one available in Athlone but then when he rechecked the one that was available in Athlone was gone so there's no available PCR our tests uh, today and it is extremely frustrating for people particularly somebody like Dan who's obviously at home self-isolating doing everything right but wants to know for sure that he does have COVID and then obviously to find out when he'll be able to get back to uh, work and then on the antigen test kits and in particular that particular Gen Ru test kit that's available in a couple of the leading supermarkets or has been on sale in the leading supermarkets. Diane says, I actually have some of those test uh, kits. I bought them last Friday. When I bought them, the shelf was full. So I imagine there are lots of people listening to you this morning that have those test kits at home. Diane wants to know, can you return them? I don't know. I I don't know. And I mean, I, I don't suppose you can return them because at the moment you've got the Health Products Regulatory Authority just investigating the number of complaints. They haven't come out and said there's anything wrong with these antigen tests. Now, if they subsequently find out that there's something wrong with them, they then may insist that stores people be allowed to return them to the stores but as of now there's nothing technically wrong with them on paper it's just anecdotally people are saying that there has been a number of false positives and obviously the fact that the HPRA are getting involved in investigating it they've been contacted by too many people to say they've been getting false positives so that's the reason that they're doing the investigation so hold on to them and let's see what comes out of that investigation but I can't see unless you ring the store and see are they willing to take them back and give you a refund and then on people buying up the antigen kits Morning Patricia, I'm just back from the United Kingdom. There you cannot buy antigen kits anywhere. Why? Because they are free to the general public. You get a code online, you walk into any pharmacy with the code and then they give you a box of seven. You can get a new code every day and get a box of seven for free from the pharmacies every day if you want and stock up on them. Uh, Children, for example, will be getting them going back to school from tomorrow. Kits have also been sent out to schools so that staff 
staff can check and do antigen testing. It's at uh, school. Uh, while here in this country, last night I was in a supermarket in the city suburbs. They had test kits on sale for €2.25. Uh, cent. I saw one lady buying 10 of them. There should be a limit on them if they are running out. Well, in fairness to the woman buying 10, if she's a family of five, she's buying two each. You don't, I'm always slow to judge people when they say, oh, I saw somebody scooping 10 of them off the shelves. You, you know, you don't know why she's buying 10. Now, is she stockpiling? That's what needs to stop is the stockpiling of them for sure. Happy New Year to you, says another WhatsApper. I bought four antigen test kits a few days ago. As there are four people in my family, I bought one for each of us. Thankfully, they're all neg- negative. But to see couples grabbing them like the toilet roll panic back when this pandemic first started. I was blown away. I was disgusted, to be honest. Within five minutes, the staff were told there's a limit of five per person. I think that is the correct way to do it. I understand we need to buy them, but please, people have to be not selfish. We need to think of other people rant over. And that's, yeah, that's a fair enough point. I have, before we even got into the shortage we have now, I was in a supermarket and there was a sign up saying 10 was the limit. I also, I'm sure it was in a chemist, I saw a sign saying, five was the limit as well so some businesses have already been doing it but now we have a bigger problem because this is a worldwide shortage this isn't just a shortage in this uh, country actually when the news was on at 11 I was just doing a quick Google search just in other countries to see how they were getting on with antigen tests and it's it's a global there's just a global demand for these test uh, kits and it's putting huge pressure nearly every country that I clicked on France, Australia, even the United Kingdom are going to, because they're giving them out free, they're going to be coming up against uh, difficulties because it's it's all down to supply and demand and then as Peter Weedle, uh, the pharmacy in Mallow was pointing out because there is such a run now and pharmacies and shops and supermarkets all trying to buy them the suppliers now are suddenly seeing oh we can make an extra bit of a profit here and the price is going up so therefore when the shops and the pharmacies are buying them they have to buy them at a higher price which the knock on effect is we're all going to be paying more for the antigen uh, kits but certainly yeah it's a global problem it's not just a problem for us here in uh, Ireland. Uh, somebody said, Patricia, what is the name of the test kit that seems to be giving the false uh, negatives? It is called Genru, G-E-N-R-U-I. Genru, could be pronouncing it completely wrong. It's a antigen test that was made in China, but it has the CE stamp on it. It has been given the backing from the European Union that they're safe and that they're they're giving accurate tests. But it's just as I say, over Christmas, it seemed to be throwing up a lot of false positives. Hence the reason that the health Products Regulatory Authority decided to uh, get involved and they are now investigating it. 1850 We are later on this hour going to be discussing children going back to school. We now know that the meeting took place yesterday uh, between the Education Minister, the teachers' unions were there, representatives of parents' bodies uh, were there and the reopening of schools will go ahead now as planned tomorrow. The public health chiefs are assured the education unit, un, unions and the school management bodies yesterday that there's no 
public health reason for a delay. And uh, even though for schools there's just going to be a bit of a, a challenge because not all teachers are going to be available to teach tomorrow. So I think individual principals are probably having uh, slight headaches uh, today. But Micah says, yes, children should certainly go back to school tomorrow. Teachers were ever getting sick. Teachers are forever getting sick for one reason or another. They just have to learn how to juggle their classes. That is what the principals are there for. I would prefer to have my children at school than around the streets. They are a lot safer at school. Their safety is a paramount. And that's always been the argument that has been put forward. The children are safer in school than not being in school. And then, of course, we had the, the raconteur for children come out uh, this week and he was talking about vulnerable children and uh, children with uh, and it's, uh, children attending special needs schools, uh, how they regress by not being in school. And I think the government, literally from when the schools broke up before Christmas, were adamant that the schools were going to reopen uh, tomorrow, Thursday, the 6th of uh, January. And following that meeting, that is going ahead. We will speak with one of the teachers' unions later on in this hour just to get their thoughts on what happened yesterday. Our phone lines are open. Brand new number for you, 0818 103 103. C103 Jobs. A teleporter driver is wanted. And this is for work in the Bishopstown area. You send your CV to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. Experienced childminder is required for three-year-old twins. Monday to Friday, it's in the children's own home and it's in the Fremont area, 086 Caulfield Supermarket in Caulfield Supervalue in Bandham. They're recruiting sales assistants that's for their online shopping. Full training will be provided. CVs to vacancies at caulfields.com. And general operatives are wanted for a cheese processing plant in Bohabui. Email paul at ingredientsolutions.net. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now a snapshot survey on the battle against litter has been described as grim reading for the country's biggest cities. The survey of 40 towns and cities conducted by Antashka on behalf of the Irish Business Against Litter found litter problems are deteriorating in four cities, including us here in Cork. Eyeballs, Connor Horgan uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Connor. Good morning, Patricia. And a happy new year to you. You as well. Now, firstly, on the positive side, some of our towns are doing really well, including, as always, Fomoy. That's right. I mean, our towns have bounced back from a difficult year in 2020 when COVID meant that tidy towns groups weren't on the beat, that the local authorities were hampered in their cleanups. A sense of normality resumed last year. And um, for Moy, as we'd almost, as we've come to expect, um, led the charge for Cork areas. It was in seventh place among uh, 40 uh, towns and cities. It was, again, cleaner than European norms. And, you know, it's worth reminding reminding ourselves that every time we come on, we rightly praise Fermoy. It has achieved a consistency when it comes to cleanliness that is the envy of many towns. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that it, uh, as a town, it's benefiting from this investment in cleanliness over the years, that, you know, it's, it's doing well as a town. There's lots of positive development.
developments and you know being clean makes it an attractive place to do business and to do, to do shopping and to visit so uh, you know we're a business organisation we're saying there's a commercial benefit to being clean and I'd like to think Fermoy is an example of that Yeah and people can be very proud of their towns as well I mean I saw on the news last night it was Nace wasn't it they were the overall uh, winners on this particular survey and you could see the sense of pride in the mayor but also in the head of the local tidy towns uh, groups I mean our local tidy towns groups are very much helping to keep our towns and villages and oh, cities most definitely. and you know the Antashka inspector made that very point about Fermoy and I'm quoting here you know a strong tidy towns present is very, uh, presence is very evident in the town and with this a concern and interest in litter and you know we, if, if you look at the top half of our chart it, there's not a town in it that doesn't have a very strong tidy yeah. towns force supporting the local authorities They really so, are our unsung heroes because they're out picking up other people's litter most definitely and like we do like to credit them because obviously their own tidy towns competition centres more on the beautification of towns but in terms of the dirty work if you like as you say picking up other people's litter um, the tidy towns are a crucial force in this country What do you believe are leaving our cities down? Well, it, it is a bleak picture, as you say, first of all, Patricia. And like, just to give you an example, um, when we spoke five or six years ago, um, the city centres of Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Galway were all clean. Now they're all littered. Uh. So it has been quite a reversal that has shocked us, I must say, because we haven't seen it with our towns. You know our story over the last 20 years has been a positive one. Um, It hasn't been with our cities. And recent years, we've seen a real regression. Um, COVID has accelerated this. There's no doubt about it. And um, that's in part PPE litter. That's everywhere. Um, you know, and you probably see it yourself, Patricia. Lots of otherwise clean streets are just marred by the sight of those the blue masks, blue luminous. Um, uh, and uh, you know, I, masks in front of you, and they're so conspicuous. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier in in advance of you coming on the program, and you know, I was making the point. You know, while you might be inclined to, if you see litter, you know, you might be inclined to, uh, to pick it up and throw it in the nearest bin, or bring it home with you, or put it in your own bin, uh, whatever it is, but. But people are very slow to pick up somebody else's face mask. They are, and and you know the data bears that out. I mean, we've done four surveys since COVID. Each year, the amount of COVID litter has grown because it is accumulating. The local authority obviously is picking up a certain amount of it, but because people are not doing the civic thing, understandably, because they're afraid of contamination, because that's not happening, the levels of COVID litter are growing and growing. Of the hundreds of sites we examined uh, this time round, there was COVID litter in one third of the site. So that's quite significant. So cities have that problem. um, And social, um, outdoor socialisation is continuing. We see that in the food-related litter and the drink-related litter. And, you know, that's a challenge for any local authority. If you talk to any local authority, if you've got groups gathering in a square or on park benches and they're consuming food and alcohol, inevitably that's going to bring about litter. So that's probably at the heart of some of the problem in the city. It doesn't explain it entirely. So does the local authority then have a role in that they need to put on additional bins and make sure that those additional bins are emptied? Yeah, I 
I think they do. I think they do have to sort of, you know, refocus on how do we keep our city clean in the face of um, greater outdoor socialisation. And remember, like this survey was in winter and the, the, the pubs were back open. So really, we might have expected a fallback in that form of litter. We didn't experience it. So, you know, the signs are we can expect similar this summer. So, you know, the, the local authorities have to be prepared for that. That does mean temporary bins. Um, obviously, it comes down to the people as well. And, it, it, you know, there has to be a realisation that also when it comes to masks, this is not harmless litter. This is single-use plastics and it's contributing to that more fundamental problem we've spoken about, Patricia, of plastic pollution and litter entering our oceans and so forth. So it's, it's, it's a worrying trend, not just in Ireland, but around the globe. And we're seeing studies already point, pointing out the impact of masks on the environment. What particular areas of Cork City let us down? Um, well, Cork City Centre, which, remember, that was clean now for about five or six years in a row. Mm. Not this time, and it was the lack of clean sites. 25 sites were surveyed in Cork, and there were only five top-ranking sites, sites that got a grade A. Um, uh, some some poor sites from previous surveys showed little improvement, including the Dyke Road, Kennedy Quay, Thomas Davis Street was one of the most, most heavily littered sites surveyed. Um, it is frustrating to us, we've mentioned it before, Patricia, that we come along, we present a report to a local authority, it shows a number of very bad sites, we revisit those in our following survey and nothing has happened. That's and very disappointing. It's very disappointing. I mean, it's not easy to keep a city clean, but one would say your starting point is to hone in on the black spots and the heavily littered sites. All too often, that is not happening. In the main, it doesn't happen. Only... 30% of bad sites are cleaned up from one survey to the next. Okay, so there's a feeling that certainly for the cities, we're going backwards. Yes, there is. And, you know, as I say, COVID is part, but I can't quite put a handle on why it's happening. There's there's several factors at play, I think. Um, there's no easy solution. Um, certainly in the case of Dublin, we've always said there needs to be more bin collection in Dublin as opposed to bag collection. And that's something that I think we will see change over the years. There's too many streets in Dublin where we don't have bin collection. I'm not sure how that applies to Cork. It probably does to some degree as well. But certainly bins make for a much more orderly form of of refuse collection. With bags, they often are left out late. Um, vermin and seagulls come along and pull them apart and they become magnets for, for, for further litter. So if there was one single action that could be taken, certainly in Dublin City, um, it would be to introduce more bin collection. Okay. Um, just a final point, if I may, Patricia, that yeah. you know, we shouldn't get too defeatist on our cities. Um, Waterford City is clean every year and we don't talk much about it. So maybe a conversation needs to take place between Waterford County, Waterford Council and the other councils as to what they're doing right. Yeah, because, yeah. And, you know, learn, when I see and the learn report, from them. There shouldn't be that difference from one city to the next. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. OK, we'll talk again during the year, no doubt, Connor. In the meantime, thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. And thanks uh, for joining us. That is Connor Horgan, who uh, is with Eyeball, the Irish Business Against uh, Litter. And once again, Fromoy doing so very well in that particular competition. But unfortunately, our beautiful city leaving us down when it comes to 
uh, litter and of course the outdoor socialisation people are being encouraged to do most of their socialising outside but please if you are going out be it for a cup of coffee or you're having a few drinks or whatever it is just please bring your litter home with you. Uh, 0818103103 John Paul taking our calls just on the somebody was saying that the cost of rubbish is crippling it is it is because there's a huge cost involved in cleaning up when you get an area that gets very heavily littered and actually later on on the programme today because obviously Peter Dowdell isn't with us for the month of uh, January we are going to talk about recycling we're going to we've invited Repack to join us on the programme very conscious of the amount of people after Christmas the amount of waste and the packaging waste and to make sure that we are all recycling that responsibly and of course this is kind of the week where people start taking down the Christmas decorations if you haven't taken them down already I know when I spoke with Ken earlier I haven't got mine down they'll be up until the weekend and then I'll take them down and I don't know who's with me I always hate taking them down the house just looks so bare for a couple of days after the decorations come down Okay, somebody was on uh, Michael by text 0862103103 morning Patricia was the second lump sum for the fuel allowance paid today actually Michael we had a question in about this yesterday as well and when I did a check I checked in with the citizens information who are fantastic all of us have the latest and the most up to date advice and information for things like that and they were saying yes that the second lump sum payment gets paid on the week of January Monday the 3rd which is this week so the second fuel allowance lump sum payment then the first one was paid out in September it's 462 euros it'll be 14 weeks at 33 euro that's what the payment will be and it's paid sometime during the first week of January so it's whenever I think you normally get your payment if you're getting if you if you get your social welfare payment into the bank whenever it goes into the bank I'm assuming that the second fuel allowance payment if you've opted to get your fuel allowance in lump sum but yes uh, Michael due to be paid uh, this week 0818 that's our new number 108 103 103 John Paul taking your calls Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie Now as we now know the reopening of schools will go ahead as planned tomorrow public health chiefs reassured education unions and school management bodies yesterday that there's no public health reason for a delay with the reopening of schools. Both the TUI and the ASTI met with the Minister for Education yesterday to discuss the reopening tomorrow Tuesday. The TUI had wanted schools to be able to make their own choice based on staff availability while the ASTI said uh, teachers wanted to see a staggered return to school. Joining me from the ASTI, Anne Lochnan who is ASTI Standing Committee Member for Cork City and West Cork. Good morning to you Anne. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and Happy New Year to you. And many happy returns, Patricia. And may I wish you and all the listeners a happy and particularly a safe New Year. Thank you. That's uh, many happy returns to you as well. Now, your association, the ASDI, had suggested a staggered return to school. What was the thought pattern behind that? Well, we were looking at ways in which the return to school could be made as safe as possible. Uh, The general feeling among all our members is that we want to be in schools, but we want to be in schools in as safe a position as possible. Now, it varies between different schools, but in many schools, there are crowded classrooms, narrow corridors and lots of potential dangers with this new Omicron variant, which is highly contagious and which, um, you know, has caused 
major new problems for us, um, different to what existed before. So we were looking at bringing back the most, I suppose, uh, uh, crucial classes first, not saying everybody's important, but we were looking at bringing back the exam students and special needs students into the school first so that um, the numbers would be lower so that we could get a feel for what the potential dangers were and so that it would be easing people into managing the new situation. Do you know at this stage what percentage of teachers will be available to work tomorrow? No, we don't because, again, it varies from area to area. But I know that our head office has done some research and the predictions varied from, I think, 15% up to 50% in a few cases of of absences for teachers. But again, it's highly unpredictable because it can vary from day to day. But we do know that the absence is going to be substantial. And we also know that there's a problem with substitute teachers. I mean, we don't, we're not awash with substitute teachers. No, and, you know, various uh, various measures have been taken, in particular bringing in college students, which did help. But, you know, if the absences are going to be as high as we think they are, it's just going to be unmanageable in, from the point of view of safety because every group needs a teacher. They need to have their own teacher. And again, it's such a fluid situation. That is why we were suggesting that we bring back smaller numbers, which would ensure that every class would have a teacher and then remote learning could be carried out just for a few weeks because we are looking at a situation where the government has said that the peak is likely to come in the next few weeks. And we were not looking at anything like last year where there would be prolonged remote teaching. This was just in the short term for a number of classes so that we could just keep everybody safe. And of course, while there's going to be a shortage of teachers for sure tomorrow, the other side of the the coin is you've no idea on what the student numbers are going to be in the classroom. No, we don't. And again, that will vary um, every day as well or every week. And this is not just about teachers, it's about accommodating everybody, the students' education. This is going to be very complex. Last year, while it didn't suit everybody, it didn't suit us at all, in fact, but everybody was on the same situation. They were being taught um, at home. Now we're going to have some people in some days, others in other days. We're going to have some at home who are quite ill. We're going to have some who are fearful of coming in because they have high-risk relatives at home. It's just a very complex situation and it's going to take a lot of careful managing. I know the the other union that was at the meeting yesterday, the TUI, uh, they say that they're going to continue to push for schools to be given flexibility on how they reopen based on their particular circumstances. And obviously it's going to be based on staff avail- availability. Is, is that something that the ASGI would back as well? Well, you know, we looked at that and we can just see the potential. I don't want to be overly dramatic, but for quite a chaotic situation with different circumstances all over the place, you know, it's just not going to work well, in our opinion. But will there be a case that some schools simply won't be able to open tomorrow? I think everybody will try to open and we're supporting the opening of schools. We very much want the schools to open. But um, how they will proceed will just depend on who's available and what the local, I suppose, difficulties are. So it's going to be it's going to be quite messy. I suppose what I would say as well is we are very disappointed. We asked for a few things and we've been asking for many months, which would also help to alleviate the dangers in schools. The two things I would highlight are we've asked for uh, the FFP2 um, masks, which are a medical grade of masks, that everybody in school would wear those. Now, as most people know, there are a lot of drawbacks with the various types of masks that are being used at the moment. You know, they don't fit well, they fall down over the nose, lots of things. We feel if the higher grade mask 
were, I suppose, sanctioned for everybody in school, it would provide a higher level of safety for everybody. And there but, but, uh, but I'm reading the paper say that teachers are to be supplied with the medical grade face mask, but is it just the teachers? Well, we would want everybody in school, you know, it's, okay. um, it, you know, everybody has to be in this situation together and to keep us all safe, we all need to be treated equally. So we believe, we see no reason why a supply of these masks couldn't be made available for everybody going into every classroom so that we would all have the same type of mask and we would all, that they're a high grade of mask which stay well fitted on the face and they provide a much higher level of um, I suppose safety than um, the Well it's been proven masks. it's been proven that they are the best masks that, so, that, that you can use but even allowing that they're going to give them to teachers I'm assuming that you won't have them in time for tomorrow no, well, we, we understand that. and We were very disappointed, you know, that this is coming at the last minute. We, in fact, had to ask for We asked for this meeting uh, with the minister because we wanted, we had concerns about what was going to happen with the opening of schools. This was, this was flagged, I suppose, before Christmas that this Omicron variant was spreading and we were very concerned about what would happen during the Christmas period and afterwards. Now, it's come at a very late stage, you know, very close to the opening of schools. The minister has said she's going to issue detailed guidance to schools, but I mean that hasn't come yet to my knowledge. It certainly wasn't there yesterday, and if it comes today, well, it's an almost impossible situation for school management to go through it and to, you know, absorb what's in it and implement whatever is being asked. It's just the tight. The deadlines are far too tight. I also want to refer to another issue which we're asking for. We're asking that filters would be provided. The HEPA filters. Now, we've been asking for that for many, many months, and it was sanctioned in December, and it was sanctioned in a very, what I would call, awkward way, where principals locally were, I suppose, given um, allowed to go to local engineers or experts and have their schools assessed, and again, very awkward, very clunky, and was going to take a lot of time. Uh, it's, you know, principals, management, they don't always have that expertise. It would be far better if the department, they have their own, I think, building unit, took yeah. control of this. And again, I think it would work out economically better as well because, you know, they, they were could buying bulk, Yeah, they, absolutely. They could, they could bulk buy them and then just send them out to the individual schools. Absolutely, and take a far more central role in it. And those are two priorities that we're highlighting. And we're very disappointed that this eventually was sanctioned at, I would say, the 13th hour rather than the 11th hour, just at December, just as the holidays were coming up right on the cusp of this problem we're now facing. And it was far too late. Now, we're not by any means rejecting them. We're happy that they are coming, but we're not happy with the system that is being used. It's far too, it takes too long. It's too difficult for people to implement on the ground. So we would like to see that done in a much more streamlined, effective fashion. Yeah, and very unfair on principals. I mean, you know, I heard principals spending most of their Christmas holidays trying to find out about HEPA filters and what is a good HEPA filter, what will work, what won't work. The costs seem to vary, huge difference in the price of the HEPA filters. You know, and I heard one principal saying, I'm not an engineer, I don't know what I'm buying. That's totally correct, Patricia. And, you know, I speak here as a teacher, but we also represent principals in our union. And principals have had a dreadful time. You know, principals have ultimate responsibility for everything that goes right or wrong, I suppose, in schools. And uh, it's been a really, really difficult period since last March because all of this is new, highly dangerous, health is involved and... uh, you know, things are changing from day to day and they really don't need this additional burden on them. OK, so an, a nervous few weeks, do you reckon, ahead for primary and secondary schools? Very nervous. We're very concerned for our members. We 
ask them to take the best care they can of themselves. You know, head office is always there. If there are any particular difficulties that they get in touch immediately for whatever help can be given, will be given to them. And I want to mention one other grouping as well, which there has been really no provision made for, and that is high-risk teachers, teachers with very, um, I suppose, serious medical conditions are being asked to go into these classrooms with 30 students, you know, very, I suppose, compromised air in some cases, and they're being asked to go in there. Now, most other workers who are high risk in the country are being, in fact, everybody's being advised to work from home if possible. So it's not, it's unfair that they're being asked to go into these circumstances. And we've asked, we asked the minister in a meeting yesterday about this, and no provision is being made for these people. And I suppose the irony isn't lost on anybody that um, the meeting yesterday took place remotely for safety reasons, you know. So, I, you know, it just highlights, I suppose, you know, the inequality of And we do want to go into classrooms. I want to emphasise that point, but we want them to be safe and we need far better conditions than what exist in most classrooms at the moment. Yeah, so somebody says, uh, Patricia, are you aware it, was, it wasn't deemed safe enough for the Minister for Education, Norma Foley, to meet three teacher unions yesterday in person, yet it is safe for up to a million people to go inside schools uh, tomorrow. What a joke, uh, says a uh, texter. OK, all right, and listen, thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. And Thank uh, you. thanks uh, for joining us uh, on the programme uh, this morning. That is uh, Anne Lochnan, who is the ASDI Standing Committee member for Cork City and for West, West Cork. And I've just uh, spotted a text in from a secondary school. Patricia, hi. I am a secondary school teacher here. We are not being provided with the FFP2 masks. We can apply to our boards of management for funding for a COVID grant to reimburse them for our purchases. They are very hard to source uh, currently. Oh, I, I didn't realise that. All I know is that it was decided yesterday at that meeting that teachers would be supplied with the medical, this medical grade uh, face mask. But I didn't really re- realise that. Teachers have to apply to the Board of Management for the funding for the uh, COVID grant to reimburse them. And then the teachers have to go out and buy them themselves. And it is going to be, I imagine, a little bit like it is for the antigen tests that we spoke about. It's all down to supply and demand. And there is a worldwide shortage of antigen testing and I'm uh, antigen tests and I'm and as there is with a lot of PPE gear so I imagine that the medical grade face masks is going to be the same as well but interesting that Anne Lachnan from the SCI just saying there that they have been calling for everyone to be wearing these medical grade masks and it's not just something that they're calling for now you know, 24 hours before schools reopen. They've been looking for that for quite some time. And just by the way, the Irish National Teachers Organisation, obviously they were involved in the discussions yesterday as well. They are now saying today that they reckon around 15% of their members will be absent when the schools reopen uh, tomorrow. They say around seven or 8,000 teachers will be absent because of uh, COVID-19. And they say that up that the term ahead up to the next mid-term is going to be an extremely difficult one and there will be situations whereby children will have to have classes at home. The INTO are already predicting that this is going to happen because they simply say they will not have enough teachers inside in the classroom in order to teach the children. The, the, the children. So they're already hearing from 
over 60,000 primary school uh, children who did contact the virus before Christmas. Um, or, or sorry, they were talking, but that's the number of people that did contact uh, the virus. Uh, and that was in their, their trouble, the filtration that's going on in classrooms that, you know, the while the public health experts will say classes are safe places, the NGO were saying, look, if that is the case, how come over 60,000 primary school children contracted uh, the virus before uh, Christmas? And, uh, you know, not, not much more has been done about the filtration inside in uh, classrooms. And I know for the INTO, Something the minister has done that these these student teachers will be available to uptake paid substitute work that's at the primary level. But the problem with the secondary level with sub uh, teachers is if, for example, you're looking for a biology teacher, there mightn't be a biology teacher available or there mightn't be an Irish uh, teacher available. So it's a much more trickier situation in the secondary schools to actually find substitute uh, teachers. So it is definitely going to be a very, very difficult period period from when the children go back tomorrow up to whenever midterm is, which is probably sometime in, fe- in February. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, thank you to Marie Casey. Marie is the principal of Boherbui National School and she's emailed the programme uh, today. And it's uh, nothing to do with the schools reopening tomorrow, but it's a lovely good news story and wants to just uh, take the opportunity to thank everybody uh, who helped them to promote the raffle that they were running for their school. Boherbui National School were doing one of those. There's been a lot of these raffles, but they were doing one of the raffles to win a house. And there's their one was Win Your Dream House in Killarney. The raffle took place on Monday last, the 3rd of January. And Marie, in her email, says that the raffle was a huge success. They made their target sales. They sold all but 100 of the 10,000 tickets that they wanted to sell. That's terrific. They now have sufficient funds to build the general purpose room slash PE room for the pupils. And they even have a little bit left over to provide other facilities for the school. They are over the moon with the success of the raffle. The winner of the house is Michael Ambrose from Arda in County Limerick and Marie says there is a full list of prize winners on the night and a link to the recording of the live raffle and it can be found on their website which is winyourdreamhouseinkillarney.com So well done to particularly congratulations to Michael Ambrose What a fantastic start to the new year One, He wins a house for a 100 euro raffle ticket It's fantastic but well done and delighted absolutely thrilled to see that that was such a huge success because there's been a few of those uh, raffles where you know they've put a house up and I know we've done a, a, a couple of interviews on them for various different charities and organisations so it's always good to give to bring a good news story as well and fantastic for the school and for the pupils that are currently there and the pupils into the future so well done to anyone as well who bought one of those uh, tickets you did you certainly did the right thing for the pupils of uh, Boherbui School now also an email in and there was a text in I'm sure about this as well asking me to give a shout out this is for anybody with Waiting to get a COVID booster. There are walk-in vaccination clinics going on today and tomorrow at the Red House Family Practice. That's in Mallow, the primary healthcare centre in Mallow. They are, they're finished this morning session. They'll be there between two and six this afternoon. And again tomorrow, Thursday, 
9am to 12pm and 2pm to 6pm tomorrow and it's for anybody over the age of 16 who needs to get a booster. No appointment is needed. It is a walk-in booster clinic at the Red House Family Practice which is based at the Mallow Primary Health Care Centre. Let me take a look at a number of your texts coming in. Now people having problems either with antigen tests false positive, false negatives and people trying to get PCR tests. Let me just give you some of the texts coming in on that. I'll put a scenario to you, Patricia, says this texter. Love scenarios. If somebody tested positive for COVID-19 and they've isolated for the 10 days as was required of them, then their partner tests positive on day 11. What does the first person have to do? (laughs) I would be thinking the first person is okay because surely the first person has immunity because they've all just had COVID. What I'd suggest you do is get on to the HSE. I'm assuming that when the second person tests positive, if they put that person down as a close contact, you get a phone call from the HSE. I would inquire with the HSE. My gut would tell me that person number one is immune because they've just had COVID, but maybe you need to check with the HSE first. Hi Patricia, my son was at a wedding on the 28th of December. The bride got every guest to do antigen tests four days prior to go to the wedding. Well done to that bride. My son did all of his antigen tests every single day since the wedding. And then on Sunday evening, he started to feel unwell, did a test, it was clear. Monday he did a test, he was positive and he's now waiting a PCR test. He did everything right. How good are the antigen tests? He was negative and now he's very sick. We see the thing with the with the antigen uh, tests, firstly they, they can always provide uh, false negative and po- false positive results. But from what I can gather, anything I've looked into on antigen tests, you get, you've got to get to a stage where there is enough you have enough COVID in your body for it to register because obviously they're, they're not as sensitive as the PCR tests are. So I have I've heard of that happening before. Also, you don't know for sure that your son picked it up at the wedding. Could he have picked it up somewhere else after the the, the wedding? But he certainly is doing all the right thing things. And hopefully, I don't know if he's been vaccinated or not, hopefully, because for most people, certainly anyone I've heard of who is getting the Omicron variant who are vaccinated and certainly anyone who's had the booster uh, all seem to just a day or two, they're feeling unwell and then they seem to be fine, even though that doesn't stop them having to still do their isolation uh, period. So let's uh, wait and see when he gets his PCR test. But good, good, good luck getting the PCR uh, tests. Somebody said family members testing negative went for PCR test and test positive. Yeah, that's the thing. The rapid antigen uh, tests, they're not 100%. We always knew that. I think there's about 75% accuracy, I think we looked at before Christmas, of people who tested positive and then went on to, to have it confirmed. I think it was running at about 75%. Uh, percent. Anne says, Patricia, Happy New Year to you. I'm in a slightly different position to most people. I had to contact my doctor on New Year's Eve. I have an upper respiratory infection. I'd done quite a few antigen tests. They all came back negative. However, my doctor said, look, sorry, you're going to have to go forward for a PCR test. I'm still waiting and isolating, which seems strange as I haven't had a positive antigen test, says Anne. I would be getting back on to your GP, Anne, because where are we at now? Today is the 5th and you would have contacted your doctor on New Year's Eve, which is a week tomorrow. So you're a week waiting. Now, we did hear people yesterday who were waiting for five days, but they were trying to do it online. I would put a call through to your GP again and explain that you still haven't had 
a call to go for your PCR test because certainly yesterday we were hearing from people who were having problems trying to because there's none available online their doctors seem to have a different way and they have slots available for GPs so I'd be getting back on to your GP and and hopefully the GP will be able to sort you out and get your test but you do seem to be waiting an excessive period of time considering you went through your GP and I don't know how you're getting on with your upper respiratory infection and that's I think affecting so many people when they know that they need an antibiotic but of course the doctor has to know for sure that it isn't uh, COVID so hopefully you're not feeling too bad because somebody else is making the same point as well as the New Year's resolution they want people now they say to stop talking about this flu they are describing COVID as uh, flu they're also tired of medical people strutting their stuff now this is Pat says dressed up like Christmas trees and all they want to do is talk about COVID we have other problems but doctors don't want to hear about that this whole thing is a joke says Pat we and people are complaining it's it's very difficult to get to a doctor or in Anne's case upper respiratory infection they have to rule out COVID before they can do uh, anything else and I know I was reading in the papers today that thousands of public patients will miss out on treatment in the next uh, few weeks this is because the HSC has told services and hospitals to focus on COVID-19 and urgent treatment the CEO of the HSC Paul Reid yesterday wrote to hospitals and community health facilities telling them that for a two-week period they must focus on COVID-19 and time-sensitive treatment only. Now, the Irish Patients Association, Stephen McMahon, has come out saying that this basically means that patients waiting on procedures, things like hip operations, they are now, unfortunately, going to see further delays. He said it's likely that uh, nationally there will be thousands of patients affected by this in the next couple of weeks. Many of these patients have waited years to get their appointment and their date for their operation. Again, he said, we find it's the public patients making a much bigger sacrifice to make sure that the system can cope with the current uh, surge, which seems really, really unfair on somebody, you know, who, as Stephen McMahon is saying, has literally waited years and people who are waiting that long are, can be in excruciating pain. They have a date and if they have a date, certainly over the next two weeks they're going to getting a phone call to cancel it which seems really really unfair 185 we were talking about teachers and going back to school um, hi, this is to do with school students wearing masks. We're told that school students must, must wear masks in the classroom. Why are they not wearing it outside as well? If you pass any school, when it's the when school's out, you'll see all of the students walking around and none of them are wearing masks. I think they should be wearing masks. Margaret says, morning Patricia, listening to your discussion on schools reopening in the last hour. I'm a primary school principal. I've been trying to secure sub-SNAs and teachers and bus escorts this morning. Despite the availability of student teachers, I don't think there will be sufficient number to fill all of the vacancies. I don't think the reality of this will dawn on the Minister for Education. She seems to be too far removed from the current situation. I fear that the next few weeks will prove very challenging as you must have a teacher for every class and an SNA and a bus escort for everyone who needs them. Thanks for raising the issues on your programme today. Take care. As for Margaret, one of the really, really 
really hard working principals, you know, and I know people have been given out about teachers saying they should be going back into the classroom and that's it. And, you know, and, and, and teachers at the end of the day want to be back in the classroom, but they want to be back in a safe environment in the classroom. But the responsibility that has fallen on principals is just incredible. You know, I mean, spending the majority of their Christmas holidays either trying to source HEPA filters or now in many cases these last few days of their Christmas holidays trying to find sub SNAs, sub teachers and bus escorts and you know Margaret is right there literally isn't going to be enough I know the student teachers are now going to be available but if as the INTO have pointed out this morning they reckon 15% of teachers will not be available tomorrow and then you add into that there'll be SNAs and bus escorts and the school secretaries there'll be a lot of other people not available for work tomorrow there simply isn't enough sub teachers to cover all of those vacancies that are going to arise over the next number of weeks so yeah and I did say it when we did our interview in the last hour it is going to be a very very tricky few weeks for all of the schools and someone else then is giving out about the teacher who contacted us to say when we were talking about the medical grade masks that now it's been decided teachers will will be allowed or will be wearing inside in the classroom but as one teacher pointed out it's not as simple of turning up to, for school tomorrow and the medical grade masks will be available to the teachers it seems according to this teacher they have to get the masks themselves and then they get reimbursed from the board of management but the problem is is trying to access those masks their PPE gear and we know there's global supply problems with all PPE gear somebody says the poor teachers having to pay for their own masks listen they're not that expensive I can't afford them on disability for heaven's sake they need to stop whining and you've completely misunderstood what the teacher said her problem is having to source them the problem is is getting them there just isn't enough of them available John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie Anamkara, which is the support group for bereaved parents, they are holding a face-to-face group meeting at 7.15 this evening in the Clayton Hotel in Silver Springs. Now, regardless of the age of your child or the circumstances of the death, Anamkara offers these peer-to-peer support meetings and they do them monthly free of charge. To register to attend, you call 01 404-5378 or you can email info at anamcara.ie Bingo, bu- Bingo books for Kildallery's Home Bingo are now on sale from all of the usual outlets and please note this week's snowball prize is €350. Euro. And Bingo is going ahead in Charleville next Sunday. That will be at four o'clock in the afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Staying on the reopening of schools, John and Cove says every school in the country should be reopened in Ireland where they are all reopening tomorrow. John's point is every supermarket was packed to capacity on the week leading up to Christmas. There was, yeah, God, God knows we were talking about there was queues out the door in some of the supermarkets. Uh, these people were dealing with strangers. The checkout people were dealing with uh, strangers every few minutes while teachers are dealing with the same pupils every day. They should be open. I feel supermarket workers 
actually deserve more respect. And we had to do an interview in the lead up to Christmas asking people to have respect for people in retail. And some of the abuse that people in retail were getting was just absolutely shocking. You know, when particularly if they were challenging people about, say, not wearing a mask or people just being rude to check out operations and people working in shops which is simply unacceptable. And then uh, they, oh, then there was an email in from a teacher, Maria and Maria is picking up on someone who made the point yesterday where they were comparing schools with hospitals. When we were talking about schools yesterday and that, that meeting that was going ahead with the Minister for Education, somebody was saying look what doctors and nurses have to do they're going into COVID environments every day to work and they were basically saying teachers need to get over it and go in and do what they're paid to do, do what they're trained to do and teach the uh, children. When Maria is picking up on that, saying there is no point in comparing the health system to the education system. The simple fact is the World Health Organisation has asked all EU countries for school-going six-year-olds and above to wear masks. Somehow the government here has failed to pass this message on. Until HEPA filters are installed in every single classroom, Teachers are at risk, as are the children in their care. I got COVID two days ago, so I won't be returning to work as a teacher tomorrow. I would feel a lot safer returning to work if these two adequate measures were put in place, i.e. every single child wearing a mask and HEPA filters in every single uh, classroom. It's prevention in the first case, rather than finger pointing, uh, is what would solve it. Most hospitals have filtration systems in place already. It's a lack of facts by the general public that is leading to this teacher bashing. And that's from Maria, one of our teachers, and hoping that you're not feeling too unwell now that you have picked up uh, COVID and hopefully you'll recover uh, quickly. And then Dan was on and I don't know how people will feel about this. Dan lives in an apartment block in the city north side. It's, a, it's run by the city council's local authority uh, housing. But the question he is raising this morning is that for the past six months there's been no hand sanitizer anywhere in the hallway are approaching the lifts. He says there are a number of apartments in the block. He says surely it is up to the city council to make sure that they've hand sanitized hand sanitizing stations available in the public hallways. Uh, would others agree or disagree? And I don't know how I feel about that. I mean if you're in okay, it's they are local authority apartments, I accept that. But I mean they're not the local authority don't issue hand sanitizers to people living in a local authority house. Now I know Dan will make the point that it's that they're the communal hallways that people are walking by. Should that be the responsibility of the council? And the, the fact that he's, his question is that for the past six months there hasn't been hand sanitizer. I'm assuming at the start of the pandemic that that's what the city council did. I don't know if they did it in all of the apartment blocks or just in the apartment block where Dan lives. They actually were providing hand sanitizer, a little bit like the way shops uh, we're, are providing it and we're providing it last year uh, as well. Uh, anyway, would you agree with Dan? They, it's their council-owned properties, local authority housing, in apartment blocks, there's communal areas obviously in all of the hallways. Should that be the responsibility of the council to have adequate hand sanitizers available? Your thoughts welcomed on that, please, to John Paul 0818 103 103. Or you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. We spoke with Eyeball 
in the last hour on the programme with Conor Horgan. Their latest report is out and it certainly wasn't good news for a lot of our cities, including our own city of Cork, which seems to be going backwards in the battle against uh, litter. Councillor Mick Nugent was listening to the programme and he says, I think the eyeball reports are unfair to the likes of the north side of Cork City, comparing the areas to Killarney and Clonakilty and tourist towns with their matching resources. Uh, it simply is uh, not fair. And I don't know, I don't know, Mick, whether eyeball they compare. I mean, all they do is they go into an area and they look at the amount of litter that's there. That's, that's what they do. I mean, when you say comparing them to areas like Killarney and Clonakilty, I mean, the two towns that we mentioned today were Nace and Formoy. I mean, neither of those towns would be deemed very big tourist towns. And yet both of those towns, Nace came out on top. Formoy always does well. And a lot of it is down to the tidy towns groups in the area. Now, I don't know if we have the same level of tidy towns groups, you know, in communities in the city or not. I don't, I don't know. But I think what left, very much let the city down and not just Cork, this was all of the major cities that did badly in this particular Litter League uh, survey was to do with the PPE gear and people just the dumping of masks and the outside socialising and more and more people are socialising outside and you will get more people doing that in the city than maybe in some of the smaller urban towns and uh, villages and unfortunately that led to a lot of litter being uh, left uh, behind but uh, Councillor McNugent feeling that the eyeball reports are unfair to the likes of the north side of Cork City. Thank you for your text Mick to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103 with Jean. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Cusack Insurances can sail. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, in Ireland, it was expected that we would generate 95,000 tonnes of packaging waste over the festive period. So with Christmas nearly over, some waiting until tomorrow, January 6th, to finally say goodbye to the festive season, Repack joins me with words of advice on what to do with all of that Christmas uh, waste. Uh, Good afternoon to Seamus Clancy, who is CEO of Repack. Good afternoon to you, Seamus. Good afternoon to you, Patricia. Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. And many happy returns. It's an incredible amount of packaging waste. Does it happen every year or are we getting worse? Well, uh, this year uh, it has increased by about 9% overall. And the majority of that was increased in glass, paper and aluminium. So it goes to show on the glass and the aluminium in particular, We've had definitely a very, very merry Christmas. <laughs> I think that's very much driven by the fact that so many people uh, have stayed at home. Yeah. Like our services, 81% of people are going to stay at home at Christmas. That was in November. That probably has increased. But if you look at the generation, it's around that every year. I expect that to go back next year. Hopefully, when this pandemic, we see the back of it. But overall, Ireland um, does a very good job in the main in recycling of packaging material that's placed on the market. In fact, we're up there in, in one of the best in Europe in the top five. Uh, and as I, I, like I was listening to the Boho B bit earlier on, and well done to that person, but like 75% of Irish people now are very eco-conscious. And I think that's coming through the education system, the greater understanding, and the whole area of climate as well. I think it's landed on our doorsteps, and we're starting to engage with it. I suppose with the changes with Omicron and all the the virus that we've been dealing with, that actually has changed our shopping habits as well, which has increased the volumes of packaging we're using. Like, for instance, this Christmas, 54% of people bought online. That's incredible. That's up from about 10% four years ago. And that comes with it a huge amount of additional packaging. Uh, absolutely. You think about it. So one of the big challenges for us as a country and as a nation and also for the producers is to make sure that we, first of all, I, I suppose our consumption levels are gone through the roof as well. We need to reduce. We don't need to buy and eat as much as we do. Uh, we certainly need to look at what we're buying and to make sure that we can look at reusing a lot more uh, and, and then recycle a lot better because that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. We're like, we are a big generator of packaging overall in Europe, but we're also very, very good at doing a good job. And I think the introduction of um, you know soft plastics is also... Uh, change the landscape for people back in September. We are, we are now trying to make it much easier for consumers to understand what can be recycled and what can't. Because as you as you appreciate, Patricia, yeah, like labelling is a, is a very tricky issue and very difficult to communicate that to the wider public. So when you think about this, where we are today, 1997, we had 124 landfills. Today, we have three. That's fantastic. And reducing. So the impact on climate, on waste in general, is about 1.5% on carbon emissions. It's very low. It was up around 10 11% back then. So you can see Ireland as a nation is actually doing the right thing. And we're encouraging people this Christmas and into the new year. It's a very, very busy time of the year for the waste operators. You have some great waste operators there in North Cork. You have Country Clean down the road in Chambelamore. And, and think about them, same with the teachers issue there earlier, they're having logistics issues in relation to staffing as well. 
and making sure they can do all the collections. And, you know, I, I might take my hat off to the industry as a whole because we're the probably the only country in Europe right throughout the pandemic that there was no waste built up outside people's houses or outside people's businesses. And that's a testament, I think, to the, the resilience of industry in Ireland, but also the Irish public as well. And I'm just saying, take your time. Don't put undue pressure on the system. If you have to hang on to, to packaging your waste for another week or so, uh, please do so. Don't... Um, yeah, and put it out over the next number of weeks rather than putting, exactly. putting it all, all out together. Because, I mean, for the majority of us, we do have a recycling bin at home. So it is getting so much easier to do the recycling. That's, and that's the key. I think, look, it's, it's all about putting it into the bin and making sure it's clean, it's dry and it's loose. No, don't get one of the kids to hop into the bin and crush it in so that when you come to try and empty it out, it becomes impossible. Second thing, like you have your civic community sites down the road, just listening to it earlier on, Cork County Council, they're all open again now at this stage. And, uh, we, and, we, and we have, I'm always singing the praises of the civic community sites because the guys yeah. that work there, are they go above and beyond to help people. Well, absolutely. And and the other thing then, you have the bottle banks. You'd like, there's a good few bottle banks there in Mallow. I'd yeah. like to see a lot more bottle banks in the country so they don't get overflowing it so much at Christmas time. But there are additional collections right throughout Christmas. So look, yeah, I, I think overall, yes, the volumes are up this year. I think the impact of uh, Omicron has also been a difficulty uh, because we are now all antigen testing at home. Uh, even the waste that's generated from that alone has to be taken into consideration. So overall, you know, just I think it's doing the simple things well. Uh, and following on from that, then, I suppose, is that producers are getting and are far more conscious of what they are actually placing on the market. And they're making all their materials more recyclable. Like the EU have just brought in a new regulation, which here in Ireland we've introduced earlier than the other countries in Europe. If you're putting difficult to recycle material on the market as a producer, as a business owner, you will have to pay exceptionally high fees to repack or to compliance scheme. And basically, it's an incentive for you to change your habits as a producer. Uh, likewise, then, as consumers, we want to make sure that we can communicate to consumers uh, how easy it is to recycle and to do it as you said, at your front door or at your city Yeah, and, and we can all sort of do our own little bit. I mean, you mentioned we're never going to see an end to online shopping, but we can stop and think when we need to, when we need to purchase something. Can you buy it locally? Do you have to click a button and buy it on- online? You know, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for shopping locally and keeping money in your local community. Well, I'm joining your team very much on that, Patricia. I think we should be buying locally and even if we're buying online buy from local suppliers yeah. online because at least then you can go back and say to the local supplier I wasn't happy with that delivery you sent me there was way too much packaging and materials on that yeah, whereas yeah. It, those that exist in the in the cloud and in the ether that we can't uh, touch we can't influence their behaviour as much as we can local shops as well and, and local shops understand that you know we in, in Repack we've three and a half thousand businesses that actually take their compliance seriously and are part of our scheme. Uh, we, we, to date, we've invested nearly a half a billion in the recycling facilities in the country, and we continue to do that. So the, the green bin outside your door, recycling bin, we actually indirectly sponsor that and support it with subsidies. Same with the civic community sites and the same with Otterbank. So I can't encourage the, 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 the 
consumer more than anything else is to to embrace that as well because we're up there and we will continue. We're at a low, like we're doing exceptionally well in all materials. The one challenge we have, even though we're ahead of the European recycling target for plastic at 22.5%, we're doing about 31. Now, the 22.5% is a low bar as far as I'm concerned at this stage. That goes to 50% by 2025 and 55% by 2030. So we are embracing that change, and that's why soft plastics have come back into the bin. So, look, I, I think a, a great website that it's um, that your, your listeners can use is mywaste.ie. It's www.mywaste.ie, which is a, a local authority and a department. It's great. I, I, was, I was on it yesterday in advance of, of you coming on the programme uh, today, and it clearly explains any questions that you yeah. have with, with regard to recycling. Yeah, and, and we collaborate. We work very closely with MyWaste.ie and, and we also have a programme ourselves called Join Repack Team Green. And that's really asking everybody in the country uh, to go onto our website and join up to say, I'll do my bit for the environment. Uh, and it's on repack.ie as well. And that's really saying to everybody, let's put on the green jersey uh, and do it on a collaborative basis. Uh, because I think that's, I think we all, and, and that's testament to the, the survey we did, is that everybody does want to do the right thing. 75% of people are there on that. Okay, you mentioned the glass bins um, and the recycling bins. A couple of people have been on, including Jonathan in the city, to say, do we need more bottle banks? Uh, Jonathan had to make three tips three trips to his local bottle bank over Christmas before he could get rid of his glass uh, items but at least he did the responsible thing and took them home every time and went back with them and somebody else is asking the same question who's responsible for the emptying of the glass bins and is there a number you can ring when you arrive and they're full? Yes, I'll answer that in two two parts of that question the first part is we are below the European average in terms of the number of bottle banks we have in the country ideally we should have one bottle bank for every 1,000 inhabitants. In Ireland, we're at one to roughly 2,400. So yes, there is a body of work there, and as Repack, we sponsor them, and we encourage local authorities to put a lot more of those out, and we will definitely support it. In relation to the collection, each of the regions in the country, uh, um, through the local authorities, they contract the collection from the bottle banks. Uh, And you should be ringing the Cork County Council if a bottle bank is overflowing. We also have a line as well that if there is a, in repack.ie, if you let us know, we will also communicate with the collectors to say there's a problem in this area. Okay, but we all we all have our bit. We all have our bit to do. The real, Chris, yeah. the real Christmas trees then, uh, Seamus, the local authorities are recycling those for free, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you can bring them to nearly all your city community sites. They'll mulch them and put them back in as a mulch cover uh, in open parks and gardens throughout their, their area. Okay. Uh, that's a really sensible thing to do. But, um, yeah, outside of that, can I just mention something before you go? Okay. I went to, I went to school in Ballygiblin. My father was the principal okay. there for nearly 14 years. And I wish, wish everybody in Ballygiblin uh, the best of luck in, in the Munster Junior Hurling Final 
uh, this Sunday, which is happening in Mallow at one thirty. Okay. So best to look to everybody okay. there and say, say hello to my mother in Mitchellstown. All right. Hi, 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 hi to Mammy Clancy. And, ha- and happy Christmas. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, listen, thanks a million, Seamus. <laughs> Pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Absolutely. And it, did we know he was one of our own? That is uh, Seamus Clancy, who is the CEO of uh, Repack. Now, just some of your comments coming in. A couple of people picking up on Dan, who contacted us, who lives lives in an apartment block in the city, local authority apartment block. And he said for the last six months, there's been no hand sanitizer available in the communal areas at the lifts and in the hallways. And he's wondering, should the city council be responsible? Because it's a local authority building, they should be, you know, topping up the hand uh, sanitizers. I kind of felt when I saw Dan's comment come in that not everyone was going to agree with him. Somebody says, "Oh my God, what what's next?" They wants the they Dan wants the council to provide him with hand sanitizer. What kind of a society are we living in? We have some people who want everything for nothing. And hi, Patricia. Cork County Council took down one of my pillars on the nineteenth of November. I've no gates for two years uh, since it's been done. So your man, Dan, looking for his hands sanitising station in flat complex owned by the council. Tell him he will be waiting. I recommend he buys a bar of carbolic soap, washes his hands going in and out of his home and he should be fine. Happy New Year. That's from Chris in uh, from Moy. Thank you for that, uh, Chris. And then on the schools and the schools reopening, a couple of texts in on our calls in on that. Maraid to 0818103103 is not happy about the fact that teachers are going to get covered for the cost of their masks. They are to be provided now with the medical grade masks. Braid said a mask only costs a few euros. Do teachers want everything handed to them? We all buy our own masks. So teachers should be doing the same thing. To, to Maraid, it looks like an excuse to get out of work. Sheila says, I go, I have to go to two different schools to drop and collect children. I have an underlying health condition and going to two different schools, a primary and a secondary school, is putting me at risk. Do the government not realise the pressure that they're putting on families by opening schools? I would have preferred if they left the schools closed for another two uh, weeks. So there's a parent and it's a real divide on this. We've other parents who were frantically saying the schools must reopen tomorrow, but then you've got you've got to think of parents who've got underlying health conditions you know, who are just nervous about their children going back to school as well. Thank you for your call, Sheila, and stay safe. And Donny was on to say when we were talking about tidy towns and how great the tidy towns groups are, and I was wondering, do they have tidy towns organisations in the cities, in the suburbs of the city? And he said, yes, we do. There are great tidy towns groups in city areas, particularly in the suburbs. In particular, Donny says, in Toker, in Blarney and in Glanmire, and they do excellent work. So it isn't just towns that have tidy towns that are also available in the suburbs of the cities as well. Another texter says, the government must be delighted, Patricia, with all the teacher bashing that is going on. The teacher bashing is taking away from the real issue i.e. the ineptitude and our excuse for a health system at the moment. Unfortunately, nobody, apart from teachers and students, understand the challenges that are going on in our schools right now. Comparing schools to supermarkets, which one of your earlier listeners did, is not helpful. My heart goes out to mainly the uh, students. And only time will tell when the schools reopen 
how tricky and how difficult the situation is going to be over the next uh, few weeks. It's kind of going to be one of these watch this space. And then someone else has another scenario for us. What would you do in this case? An employee goes home from work sick, subsequently tests positive for COVID-19. What do we do? Our employer has completely ignored the fact. Well, I'm assuming if the employee tests positive, they will have to put in to for the contact. They either get a call from contact tracing from the HSE or they'll have to submit it online. If they name you as a close contact, then you'll be getting a text or a call from the HSE. So, I mean, does that decision then, does that get taken out of the employer's hand, I wonder? I'm assuming that that's what will have to happen. Breaking news just in, the Thetic is saying that word from the HSE that the majority of the COVID patients that are in ICU are infected with Delta rather than the Omicron, which again is backing up that this Omicron seems not to be as serious a virus as the Delta and previous variants were. So we'll take some comfort from that. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.